is Smart Consulting Sourcing, the only podcast about consulting procurement or how to buy consulting services. You'll get tips on how to use consulting, buy consulting, and managing the consulting. And now your host, Ellen Lafitte. Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of Smart Consulting Sourcing, your one-stop podcast for everything consulting procurement. So this is your host, Ellen, guiding you on how to buy consulting services like a pro. Our journey today takes us into an area where many feel the pressure, but also where victories are won, negotiation. So we'll be focusing on the prerequisites before you sit at the negotiation table for a consulting agreement. This includes understanding what aspects you want to negotiate, pinpointing the key individuals who will take part in the negotiation process, and identifying the wiggle room you have at your disposal. But before we dive headlong into these intricate nuances of negotiation, let's take a step back and cast a glance at our journey so far. Remember our last episode? So we honed in on the pivotal part of the consulting procurement process, selecting your consultants. In case you missed it, or if you just need a quick refresher, here are the critical points we dissected. Remember to assess proposals thoroughly. Don't just skin the surface. Deal into evaluating the approach, team expertise, deliverables, compatibility with your team, and of course, price. Don't hesitate to challenge the core proposal, you know, clarifying the uncertainties and ensure the suggested approach matches your project's requirement and promises tangible, positive impact. Prioritize evaluating the expertise and fit of the consultants, couch their understanding of your business, their ability to mesh with your teams and their credibility with stakeholders. Don't overlook the fee structure and additional expenses. Understand the pricing breakdown, and such potential scenarios and work out the total cost implication of each proposal. Use a weighted scorecard system for an objective comparison of proposals. These ensure that all proposals are judged based on predetermined relevant criteria. And finally, always involve your stakeholders in the decision-making process. Their input can provide valuable insights and promote a broader acceptance of the chosen consultant. Keeping this point in mind will empower you to select the right consultant, setting the stage for a successful project. Now, armed with these insights, that gear up to unravel the complexity of negotiations in consulting agreement. But let me just remind you first that smart consulting sourcing is available across many major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, you name it. I also made our episode available on YouTube, where you can find video versions of these episodes. And if you're someone who prefers reading or wishes to revisit our discussion at your own leisure, the full transcript of each episode is readily accessible in the thought leadership section of our website, consultingquest.com. So it's an excellent resource for delving deeper into our topics and for sharing these valuable insights with your teams. You know, we strive to make your journey toward becoming a consulting procurement pro as convenient and enriching as possible. Now, without further ado, let's unravel the complexity in negotiation in consulting agreements. Now that you've shortlisted your potential suppliers to a couple of strong containers, it's time to negotiate an agreement for the project. But before you head into the negotiation room, it's essential to be clear on a few things. What is your goal for the negotiations? What elements hold significant value to you? In which area can you afford to be more flexible? Remember, you're aiming for the best deal. And so is the consulting firm. It's all about finding that sweet spot where both parties feel satisfied. Let's explore how we can make this a win-win situation from everyone involved. So where to start? 
First thing first, decide what elements of the proposal you want to negotiate. You know, in consulting, much like many other intangible services, almost everything can be open to negotiation. That being said, you don't necessarily need or want to negotiate every single element. You've already identified parts of the proposal that resonate well with your needs. You likely want to keep those as they are. Focus on those areas where the proposal is called average or less. There are roughly three main dimensions up for negotiation. What the consultant will deliver, how they will deliver it, and how much it will cost. Right? So let's start with what the consultant will deliver. You know, defining the project scope and delivering in the RFP, it's a balancing act, as in is building a proposal to respond to an RFP. So it's not uncommon for consultant to veer slightly off track. The scope could have also evolved during the sourcing process. For instance, you might realize that your project description was either too narrow or too broad. You know, these parameters can be fine-tuned during negotiation. For example, you can narrowing down to the focus to gas distribution in Western Europe instead of energy in Europe, insisting on detailed deliverable instead of a high-level SWOT analysis, or entering the final deliverable inclusion knowledge transfer plan and a plan for the future. So next, consider how the consultant will deliver. You know, the delivery model plays a pivotal role in the success of a consulting project. It encompasses the approach, the timeline, the governance, the team staffing, the phasing, and the balance between on-site and off-site work. Maybe you have a small team in North America and decide that it doesn't need as many workshops. Or you find the proposed governance doesn't sync with your organization's pace. And just like how timing is everything on stage, it's the same with your project timeline. If it doesn't match your internal deadlines, you need to adjust it. You know, think about your project manager as a leaning actor. You might want someone more seasoned, a professional who's performed in many successful shows before. And of course, you wouldn't forget the ensemble cast. You know, there might be a need to balance your team there, reducing the number of extras, AKA the part-time experts, and ensuring you have enough lead performers. These are not hypothetical situations. You know, they're real-world examples illustrating the fine-tuning that often takes place during consulting agreement negotiations. After all, every detail counts in making your performance a standing ovation. You know, as the old adage goes, you can deliver on time, on cost, on quality. You can pick any two. You know. So finally, let's talk about the cost of the project. There are various ways to scrutinize the price. You could look at the overall cost and see how it aligns with your budget. You could break down the cost structure into daily rates and types of fees. The cost allocation across the different project phases could also be informative. You know, navigating negotiations can often feel like choreographing a complex dance. Just last month, we had an enlightening negotiation experience with a client who was quite the choreographer. You know, they opened the desk boldly, asking for a 15 reduction and the overall project cost. Quite the grand jeté to kick things off. Let they introduce a creative twist in the routine, suggesting that part of the fees should be linked to the consultant's performance, making the project a true candidate, actually. Also, they were concerned about the rate for junior consultants too, feeling that it should be more in line with their status as corps de ballet rather than prima ballerina, in other words, too expensive. So further, they opt for a simplified rhythm preferably in an all-inclusive fact fee, or at least a cap on the out-of-pocket expenses. No unexpected solos popping up there. And finally, they had a unique vision on how the cost should be staged across the different acts, seeking a different allocation to various deliverables and phases. 
You know, this negotiation then taught us an important lesson. Every step affects the whole performance. Adjusting the scope will inevitably echo through to the delivery model and cost and changes to the timeline and staffing will likewise reframe the overall choreography. So it's the art of elegance of negotiation. And just in case you were wondering, no, I'm not an experienced dancer. In fact, my dance career was rather short-lived. I was uh, kindly asked to leave class at the tender age of seven, after which I swapped my ballet shoes for a judo belt. But rest assured, there won't be any judo throw in our negotiations. However, there was nothing that, you know, the principle of judo can come in handy during negotiation. For instance, judo teaches us to use our opponent's force to our advantage. And it's a very useful tactic when maneuvering through negotiation. Now let's dive into the heart of negotiation, understanding your payoff matrix. This concept might sound more complex than it really is. Simply put, the key is not to get too caught up in the negotiation terrain, but to focus on the interest and the potential rewards of the negotiation. What's crucial is how the project's value aligns with what you want to negotiate and making sure this matches up with the overall strategic priority of your project. Imagine you're about to embark on a thrilling new expedition and the value of the project is your treasure map. The first step is to estimate the wealth you can potentially unearth. In other words, how much value the project can generate. Then measure the gap between this anticipated treasure and the price of your chosen expedition partner, your consulting firm. This is where you start charting your F metric, which is essentially a strategic map of your negotiation journey. It gives you two basic paths, to negotiate or not to negotiate. Similarly, your consulting firm will also be deciding between the two routes. Let's apply this to a scenario where a project can potentially create a treasure trove of hair 100 in value. The consulting firms ask for a price of 50 for their expertise and resources. If neither party negotiates, both capture a share of 50 from the project's value. But remember, it's always in your interest to negotiate, partly because the consulting firm will expect you to do so. Yet the size of the discount you earn for should not be set at percent rule, you know, or should rather be calculated based on the specific of your project. You know, think about it. If each week spent haggling over and going back and forth diminishes the project value by five, your payoff matrix after two weeks of negotiation could look rather different compared to the first week. Suddenly, you're not sitting quite as comfortably as you were before. Or consider a scenario where the expected value is 10 times the price of the project. Is it worth spending your time haggling for an extra 5%? Wouldn't it be wiser to secure consulting resources and deliverables instead? You know, the purpose of negotiation isn't all just to swing the deal heavily in your favor or to limit your liabilities. Insisting on an unfair deal will only risk the success of your project and could damage your long-term relationship with a consulting firm. As long as the price fits within your budget, your focus should be on achieving the best possible outcome for the project, including a solid return on investment. You know, a key element here is fostering a win-win solution. Remember, winning in negotiation isn't about crushing the other party or getting just the term you wanted. It's about finding a sweet spot that satisfies both sides. It's about crafting a deal that feels like a victory dance for everyone involved. Now let's try to understand the balance of power which is a pivotal part of any negotiation. You know, like a game of chess, you need to understand the strength of both sides to make effective moves. It's all about figuring out who's holding the stronger cause. Do you have the upper end or does the consultant? How much do you rely on the chosen provider? If you organize a solid competition, you should have multiple robust proposals to choose from. 
even if the deep expertise needed narrows down the list of qualified consulting firms. Having alternative options gives you a backup plan if you can't strike a satisfactory agreement with your top choice. And what's your intel on pricing? You know, this is another benefit of having multiple competitors. It gives you price intelligence. If you see significant price differences between proposals from firms of similar size and reputation, making that the consultant with a higher bid is either overestimating the workload or likely declining the project with the highest price tag or confident that they'll land the project due to the company's habit of sticking with incumbents. You know, speaking of incumbents, are you willing to shake things up a bit? Your willingness to work with new consultants can be a game changer. You know, if your incumbent knows that you're seriously considering other candidates, they'll be more likely to compromise. So are you racing things the clock? You know, time constraint can sometimes weaken your negotiation position and possibly always try to prepare projects well in advance. So have you considered industry seasonality? You know, consulting like the theater has is busy and slow season. There are times in the year where consultants have more capacity than others. And for instance, the last quarter of the year can be an excellent time to negotiate extra effort on a project, whereas the first quarter is often busier with high agenda. As you take your negotiation state, understanding these dynamics can help you direct the performance towards a harmonious finale, where everyone takes their bow with a satisfied spot. Now onto the final key point before we dive into the actual negotiation process, deciding who will be on your negotiation team. You know, there are a couple of approaches you could consider, being a single negotiator or a team. If you choose the latter, remember to assign specific roles and ensure the appropriate expertise is present. So here's a key takeaway. The team composition. This is naturally very based on the project size and strategic significance. However, it's a good rule of thumb to have the same individuals who prepare RFP on board, particularly the procurement lead, project manager, and project sponsor. And for larger, more critical projects, extend your team to include key stakeholders from finance and strategy. You exclude personal from professional. You know, keep personal feelings out of the negotiation process. Even if you share an excellent personal relationship with a consulting firm's partner, conflicting objective may arise during negotiation. In such cases, consider bringing a, an additional person to the table. Do your homework. Research the consulting firm thoroughly. Refresh your memory with notes from any previous engagements or negotiation with them. Define your strategy, decide on your negotiation strategy and tactics, including who will initiate the discussion and who will be the escalation person. Consider the impact of potential concessions on price and quality, anticipate their likely reaction to your tactics and think about possible tactics they might employ, you know, and understanding their decision-making authority. Make sure you're clear on the decision-making power of the other party. It's incredibly frustrating to strike a deal only to find out their boss has vetoed it. Sound familiar? Conversely, if your consultant are in, is in leading in, in a proposition you're unhappy with, don't hesitate to request a break to consult with your stakeholder. Well, this wraps up our prerequisite. So now we're ready to dance, I mean to negotiate. So let's summarize the takeaways for this week. Define the negotiation parameter. Identify what elements you want to negotiate, focusing on areas where the initial proposals were less satisfactory. They may encompass project deliverables, the delivery model, and project cost. Understand your matrix, your payoff matrix. The value of the project should dictate the negotiation strategy. Be mindful of the cost of protected negotiation and make sure any potential gains are worth the effort. 
Assess the balance of power. Understand your own strength, your level of dependence on the provider, and your negotiation leverage based on your willingness to work with new players, your timeline, and industry seasonality. Choose your negotiation team. Decide if you will negotiate as an individual or a team. Determine the roles of each team member. Decide your negotiation strategy and tactics. So remember, don't just head first into negotiation. Get clear on what you want, understand the potential value at stake, assess your bargaining power, and choose your negotiating wisely. Hopefully then, with these pieces in place, are you ready for the negotiation days? The first step, well, that's a tale for next week. So next week, we will waltz into the world of BATNA, you know, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, ZOPA, Zone of Possible Agreement, and trace off. So we'll be disco dancing our way through the fascinating field of negotiation, exploring opportunities, for substantial savings. So make sure you've got your dancing shoes on because it's going to be a groovy ride. Till then, stay safe and happy sourcing. And if today's topic sparked you any questions or if there's anything else you're curious about the realm of consulting procurement, remember I'm just a LinkedIn message on an email away and I'm always up for a good chat. So goodbye for now and see you next week. Au revoir and keep the sourcing game strong. You've been listening to Smart Consulting Sourcing, the only podcast about consulting procurement. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at consultingquest.com. Find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. For questions and comments, send an email to ellen.lafitte at consultingquest.com. See you next time.